your girlfriend has secrets. You lost me. Take a hint and fuck off. Not very talkative. <laughs> Something's going on. You need to maintain a sense of humor, babe. You gonna give me some uh, trouble, big boy? Or are you gonna channel that famous Amish serenity? <laughs> Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. This week, we channel our famous Amish serenity with our review of the sci-fi noir film Mute, which is appropriately titled as it revolves around the world of a mute bartender named Leo, who decides to take on the criminal underbelly of futuristic Berlin in order to find his missing girlfriend. The movie is written and directed by Duncan Jones, whose previous works include Source Code, Moon, and Warcraft, and it stars Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood and Hold the Dark, Justin Thoreau of HBO's The Leftovers, and Ant-Man himself, Paul Rudd, which is notable to my guests this week, Chuck Statton and Brad Rohr of the Chuck and Brad podcast, who are going on the road with their new live show, Chuck and Brad, Reimagine the Avengers. They will be in Hartford this Thursday night at the CT Comedy Theater with some special guest stand-up comics, including ya boy. That's me, if you were wondering. So go to chuckandbradpodcast.com right now and get those tickets before it sells out. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Ya boy! Thanks. Yeah, man. So thank you guys for doing this. Thank you guys for coming all this way. I mean, obviously you had uh, ulterior motives uh, in terms of like promotion and things like that. Honestly, you savages. Are we we recording already? I thought we were friends. Are we recording already? Yeah, I just let it run. Okay, all right, cool. That's fine. I'll say say this. The promotion that we did in and around Hartford is the... It like secondary, secondary. Like yeah. we, we came you're out. The, you're the main yeah. reason we, we came. came out to do oh, the right. Nomcast. Yeah, right. and yeah, we're like, right. well, we're going out there anyway. <laughs> right. Let's just put up flyers at local comic book stores and get them to come out to the show. Sure. That's yeah. Right. If I didn't see your guys' posts, we probably would have ended up at Mohegan doing right. the regular yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, let me do that because it's like so much cooler to be. You know, we're at you know in the heart of where we're going to be next week. Yep. And, yeah. And and doing the show and you know obviously it kind of gives a little. Cache makes me feel a lot better. Like yeah, we're yeah. we're starting something and then we'll see the end of it next week. So yeah, yeah. that's cool, guys. But the uh, obviously the reason why you're here is I uh, we picked a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an older movie, but mm-hmm. a movie that I thought translated well to what we're doing. You guys are doing an Avengers based program next week. Yeah, we're doing a, a live comedy show based on the Avengers. Yeah, uh, it's called Chuck and Brad Reimagine the Avengers. Yeah. And and I figure why not you know at the best I can with the Netflix catalog bring in an Avenger so we have Mute starring uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Paul Rudd who is obviously not an OG Avenger 
but he's still alive. Yeah. He's, 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 he's sort of when he's, we're starting this new movie. He's, so he's, he's he's definitely he. I'd say he's not an OG Avenger because there's only six at first, right? Sure, yeah. But but he's pretty. He's in phase two, so that's pretty yeah, good. It's pretty early on. And uh, at the at the last we've seen him in the movie continuity of Avengers right now, he's stuck in the quantum realm. Yes. However, you know the trailers have been released for Endgame, and he is, and he's there, and he's out of quantum realm. Right. And like that's the big question: is or, how did he get there? Yeah. Possible twist: everyone else is in the quantum realm with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Ooh, I like that. Or a possible twist. Everything was an autistic kid's dream yes. and that they've just been in it the whole yes. time. This is the Saint <laughs> Elsewhere theory. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but obviously, uh, we, we all watched this movie and, and did you guys... Uh, going into it, watch a trailer, do anything, or did you just rock and roll, fire up the Netflix and watch it? Years ago, Chuck and I watched the movie Moon. Yes. Also directed by Duncan Jones, who directed yes. Mute. I love Moon. And uh, I do too. With Sam Rockwell. And I remember at some point reading Mute, directed by Duncan Jones. Mm, right. And I'm like, oh, I really, I really liked Moon. I liked Source Code. I watched Warcraft. <laughs> and this is his <laughs> do next. Do you play? His, uh, I do not. And this is his. Because I'm fascinated by people who don't play but did see the movie. Uh, I, uh, two friends who play right. took me to see the movie. Okay. And, uh, you know. I don't think the fact that I didn't play uh, affected my level of enjoyment. Well, of they it. would love to know that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say that as diplomatically as possible. Okay. I think all of us had a similar level of enjoyment. Right. Okay. For the movie Warcraft, and so right. you know, I remember reading Mute is out, and it's by Duncan Jones, and it stars Paul Rudd. Uh, and I think I was like, Hey, Chuck, we should watch that movie sometime. And then you know, got busy, and we sure. never did. Right. So, yeah. And I saw the name and I was like, Duncan Jones. I'm like, I love Duncan Jones. I love uh, his cold brew iced coffee. And my girlfriend's like, that's Duncan Donuts. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you were like, yes. oh, you know what? I love the kangaroo-shaped <laughs> snacks. They were really... Dunkaroos. Yeah. And you're like, you're right. That was the guy in Green Mile is <laughs> yes. Duncan Jones. Yes. No. Ah, it's Michael Clark Duncan. No, I, I Making yeah. rest in power. Yes, exactly. I, I, I did love Moon. Um, and I love Sam Rockwell. I didn't see Warcraft because, uh, you know, just have a little foresight. Right. And... Uh, no, it's fine. I and I love Source Code, code too. I, I, I think yeah. people think Source Code is a, a he, much lesser do, movie. Did he do Source Code? He, he did, did Source Code. Is that Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah. Did we watch that? The Groundhog Day I, on a Train. I, I watched yeah. it like oh, by myself. he keeps myself. dying. He yeah. keeps dying. Yeah, the, the train keeps blowing up and he has to figure it out before. I think yeah. I liked that one, but I don't remember the ending. I, now I'm going to watch that again. I, I yeah, did, it's a good movie. I had to read the Wikipedia about it to be like, oh, how did it, oh, yeah. That, I yeah, remember yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I know what happens. Like, it's something like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to spoil it, I guess. But I, I'm like, I how many movies are we going to, oh, by the way, we do spoil Mute. this movie oh, yeah, that yeah, we're talking about. I won't spoil it. feel free to spoil whatever. At this point, if you haven't seen movies that are I think source codes going on like 2013 so probably yeah, six years old yeah. pretty early so yeah, yeah. Uh, it takes me a while to get to movies though sometimes so I have sympathy um, yeah. but uh, no I was you know when you said um, we basically talked to you and we were like oh you know let's do this let's do this podcast we were looking up podcasts in Connecticut and we, I saw that the the gimmick, and that's not insulting. It's just no, gimmick, no, no. You know? Yeah, everyone I, has theirs. <laughs> I mean, I love I love wrestling, and like the word gimmick is just right. it just means what you do. Yeah, you know yeah. What I, mean? yeah. I was like, the gimmick is you watch a Netflix movie, and uh, when you were like, we're gonna watch Mute with Paul Rudd, I was like, I don't remember the trailer for that. I don't remember anything about it, but like, right. I'm down. And I kind of, as me and Brad have talked about a couple of times, or Brad and I have talked about, as people always correct me. Nice. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of imagine if a trusted director. Spielberg, yes. Nolan, Quentin Tarantino. Sure. Was like, my next movie is coming out on August 25th. Yeah. No trailer. 
Right. No, no mention of plot or who's in it. Right. Come out August 25th. And it right. just had the name and it was like car keys or something. You know, right. whatever. Yeah. And it does not. I feel like the Marvel movies can actually do that. They at t- this right. point. We, I don't know why they have any promotion. We they had, don't need yeah. any of it. We had a debate on one of our podcasts of like, does Endgame need any trailers? No. And I don't think the latest Game of Thrones season did nope. either. Yeah, like something where you're in that level mm-hmm. uh, of of the zeitgeist yeah you don't need it yeah, especially right, right. you're ending something i know so we so anyway we you know I, we always talked about how that would be so amazing and it'd be such an enthralling experience right and i won't go into it here but that did happen to me with the movie the ring where i got free passes <laughs> oh yeah then they changed the release date but they kept the the screening the, yeah and i was like i don't know what it is i'm like is it a like, romantic comedy and four of us went to go see the ring <laughs> And it was so effective because we were just like, what the fuck? Right. The horse. And it, was, it was so great. But um, when is she going to marry the guy that she secretly <laughs> loves? This is romantic, the- but it is not funny. <laughs> the woman comes out of the TV and just officiates a wedding. That would, I'm, like, I'm into that. I'm like, all right. We want to do that as a reading sequel. I'm totally yeah. in for it. In the theater, I was like, all right, woman can't get her life together. Oh, she's doing real bad. When is this guy going to come in and save the day? Yeah. But, uh, I'm totally down with the idea of um, a movie that I have no idea about walking in and just experiencing it. Right. And so when you told me Mute with Paul Rudd, I was like, I don't want to look it up until we sit down and search the word Mute on Netflix and press play. I I wanted to go in blind, which is pretty much what I did. Yeah. Yeah. We actually watched it with, it was me, and we watched, I watched it with my girlfriend and her mom. And uh, her, also her stepsister, um, who was like, her stepsister is like 15, 16. Her mom is like 53. None of us had any idea about it. Yeah, you ran the gamut, man. Uh So I'm actually interested to see, because obviously we're three, you know, dudes just, you know, with podcasts, Mm -hmm. those type of guys who can obviously analyze something pretty deep. And then obviously, you know, seeing it from a different perspective. Because this movie is interesting. Like, you guys covered a lot of, of what would bring someone to this right. movie. Obviously, a, a director with pedigree, people who, someone like Paul Rudd, who's had a long-established career, even Skarsgård. I mean, this happened right before he... Uh, we covered a, a different Skarsgård-led movie with Hold the Dark that came out back in November. Okay. Uh, and again, another thing where someone who has a track record it was uh, from the director of Green Room. I don't know if you guys saw oh, we Green saw, Room. We saw Green Room. Yeah. Like yeah. Green Room. yeah. Uh, so... So, and if you watch True Detective, the first couple episodes of this past season, same director. So right. you're you're walking in with a guy who has, and if he did Blue Ruin. I don't know if you guys no, saw Blue I Ruin. Did not. I didn't either. Going mm-hmm. into it, so that's good. But so you know, same type of thing. Skarsgård, a guy with a pedigree, mm-hmm. going in, and it was a confusing, odd twist. Uh, kind of. Uh, Obviously, he wasn't mute. Although Netflix seems to love movies where they take away senses. Yeah. I can't wait for the deaf movie because yeah. we've already had the mute and the blind. Yeah. So now it's yeah, going to keep so perpetuating. That's really funny. And it's funny because like all this stuff was greenlit after the first season of Daredevil, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's true. Right? Or at least like uh, in the case of Bird Box, I mean, God damn it. And they just released another movie with Stanley Tucci that looks exactly like yeah, a, quiet a Quiet Place. place. Yeah. So it's they love Love that, that is shit. Weird. By the way, yeah. I, I read the book Bird Box. Yeah. Uh, after after I saw the movie, right, and I was like, okay, there are a lot of differences here, but I see where so, like a, a director would read this story and say, I can make a movie out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's change these little things to make them more exciting on camera. Right. And uh, maybe move the plot along a little faster. But sure. Uh, I yeah. I, I didn't I get caught. I didn't get caught up in Bird Box mania, right? Because yeah, I yeah. was I was working that week, and the rest of the world was off of work, right? And so everyone had time to watch Bird Box and talk about Bird Box. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had my yeah. little issues, but I thought it was very fun to yeah. watch. Don't listen to the episode I did because I yeah. ripped it pretty hard. But <laughs> was one of your points like, why did were the, was the bird box there? It has nothing to do with anything. Well, the birds actually become mildly irrelevant at one point in the movie where when, uh, I forget the character's name now, but the guy who ends up putting them in the freezer or the refrigerator, something, yeah. some kind of yeah. separate area. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, he did that. So like they wouldn't hear him coming because obviously the bird is supposed right. to be the sense of these things. Right. Yep. The bird's been there the whole fucking time. This yep. guy lived there for like. That's what I'm saying. It's, it felt like months. That's what the, yeah. weeks, all, all the something. The thing of the birds being the ones that are able to sense the thing. Yeah. It doesn't actually make any sense in the movie. That's what I'm talking about. No, it about. doesn't at all. Yeah. Even, even, <laughs> even towards the end. I mean, aren't they chirping in that safe house? And that's how they go there? Well, that's why, because it's a bird sanctuary. That's why they went but, but, to that as a safe house. I but, know, but that's still it's still weird, because wouldn't they not be chirping if it's safe? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I know, like, it's happy chirps. Like, right. <laughs> in any I event. Can't, I can't yeah. And how tone. can you differentiate? Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a litany of things, yes. besides the fact that, clearly, I mean, it, it is a long time since the book came out, yep. and since they were going to put that in development, not yep. to go too hard <laughs> on happy bird box. Chirps. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. But they, they, you know, obviously took a long time to make that movie. Right. Netflix had to be the ones going, oh, yeah, we don't give a shit that it sounds exactly like multiple things that have come out since you wrote that book right. uh, where this will seem very hacky. They didn't give a shit. And they were right on yeah. some level because it was the biggest, most downloaded thing they ever did. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I think they, they like to do these swings with people who have some cachet and obviously Sandra Bullock being mm-hmm. one of those people for that. Definitely. We did Unicorn Store last week where obviously see Brie Larson couldn't be any hotter yeah. right now coming off of Captain Marvel. And that was Marvel. Her, her directorial debut, right? right? How yeah. was it? It's a little bit of a mess. Okay. So, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where if it's a coming of age tale right. and there's not a, a, a perceivable level of growth okay. that mm. happens mm. or if you're a if it's a female directed movie written by females, produced by females and a female lead and everything is predicated off of the men in her life right. and with no hint of like actually addressing any feminist or okay. female issues. Interesting. Uh, it's kind yeah. of a mixed bag. All right. There's a lot. Everyone's good in it. I yeah. think it failed on the page. Yeah. But, you know, obviously. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So wow. speaking of mixed bags, we watched the movie Mute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and this is another one of those tales. Yeah. This is Duncan Jones wrote the the initial draft for this movie he said he wrote 16 years ago. Yeah. So that's for any measure. I mean, I thought Bird Box was a long time. I think that was 09. Yeah. Something maybe a long, it was something like a 7 to 10 year delay. Right. right. And this movie, he's been trying to get this made since he even had some level of success yeah. to try to to get it made in every studio turned him down yeah part of why and, he made moon was to get the free you know he was like oh moon seems like a more manageable project sure uh, uh but mute is the movie i want to make right like uh edgar wright with baby driver where he's yeah. like you know everybody has yeah. their passion project yeah and it seems like lately netflix are the people who are like they'll go to established directors and go we want to work with you so bad that we'll we are willing we to take whatever passion mm-hmm. project but we're going to do more than one so that way they have them kind of in the pipeline. Right. And so Unicorn Store was a story like that where they acquired that movie that was already made. It came out in festivals in like 2017. Yeah. So they knew what this was. Right. So they were like, all right, we'll air this now, but then we're going to develop another movie with you, which they have. Mm-hmm. They are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to come out probably like next year. Right. So 
Same thing with Duncan Jones, where it's like, okay, this guy's established. This guy's great. Uh, he has a track record. He has a fan base. Let's get him in here and see what he wants to do. And they were agreeable and made this movie. Right. So to me, I was walking into this movie with high expectations. Like you went in relatively blind. Like you, you know the facts now at least, and yeah. or maybe at one time. But to me, if I told someone on the street, listen, David Bowie's son is a film director. He's really great. He did these movies. You're like, oh, I saw those movies. Those are great. Yeah. Come in here. It's like, okay, do you like sci-fi movies, film, a film noir stuff, any of the combination? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And then you go into this movie, and it's like, okay, here's the catch. The guy <laughs> is mute. He's Amish in a time period sometime in the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's Berlin. Why is it Berlin? Only Duncan Jones knows, uh, because I did listen to an interview. He said he he just loves Berlin because he was with his father at the time of when uh, Bowie actually had like three of his more famous albums that's kind of like called the Berlin Trilogy or some version of that. Um, Heroes being one of those albums. There was like a three album period where he was all in Berlin and they were huge albums. So he was there for quite some time and he was like, he wanted just a movie... Uh, a location that was uh, a melting pot right. of sorts because they wanted some scenario where basically you get a bunch of different type of people and it's not weird. And sure. obviously yeah. the language barrier City. can kind of just... Sure. Yeah, right, I and, and so he created this like huge kind of backstory here where you know it's a time period where you know U.S. military is insanely active to the point of a lot of people going AWOL right. and all these things kind of subtly put through the film. It's not something that's overt or something you truly need to to fully know. It probably works without it, without knowing where you are technically and and how it is. That was a little, that was one of the things that was my question. I was like, did I miss this or was this not really explained? I was like, Paul Rudd is AWOL. Right. The the other doctor is not a wall. No, He's but they not, were both. But they're both criminal right. doctors. Well, they're both criminal doctors who were in the military. Who together. were in the military? Right. Together. That's how they know each other. Okay, so. And so Paul Rudd, you know, part of his plight is that he's trying to get papers to go back to the United States with his daughter. Right. And that's like part of the reason he works for this criminal boss. Right. Um, so. I guess my questions are: Do we know why he is a wall? No. Is it, is it is it because of him? Is it because of the U.S.? Like, why is the other doctor not a wall? Like, I feel like he, it's the U.S. part. They they the, said the other doctor was like, oh, I, I finished my service or I did my yes. time or whatever. So, you know, if they were if they both signed up for six years, Paul Rudd did four. I get and it. Justin Thoreau did all yeah. six. I saw. Yeah. So I, I guess my question virtually is, unrecognizable. Justin Thoreau. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I felt the same way, and I I love him too. too. That's another. He yeah. was another key component right. for me to come into this movie because. I'm a huge fan of The Leftovers on HBO. If yes. you don't yeah. watch that show, it's to me, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And I was, and he's a, he's right. the main star. He's right. a large part of it. And so coming into that, that this is probably the next thing I saw after Leftovers ended. So, so. That, that's my question: is like, so is it just like happenstance? Like in the same, if I had a movie where it's like, like, oh, Brad didn't go to work today, and he's getting calls from work, and it has nothing to do with the story. Like, I, I, like it has nothing to do with the U.S. military or Paul Rudd. Like, it doesn't seem like it's like the military was so bad that I had to leave. Or right. yeah, Paul never, Rudd did something terrible right. and had to leave. I yeah, think it's, you, it's get just, explained. Yeah. you get never neither yeah. of those. I sides. think it's mostly used as a misdirect here. Me too. Um, because I think that's the thing. Obviously, even with most film noir stories, where it's you're trying to figure out who 
who's missing, where right. they are, they, uh, some kind of, usually they're a detective scenario, sure. but this one is just, you know, searching for his girlfriend. Right, right, right. So, you know, you have an unreliable detective, I guess, yeah. is kind of the, the version that we're talking about and here. I guess, I mean, maybe that's why it's Berlin, because the, the story kind of revolves around Paul Rudd trying to get back to America with his daughter. Well, I mean, so, and obviously you don't find out for certain the the full extent of why he's also trying to leave now, too, you know, with right. a little bit more expressed sense of urgency. You know what's interesting, though? I don't know if I felt like... Because we're, we're spoiling it, so we can just talk yeah, openly yeah, about it. Yeah, openly. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, eventually we find out that Paul Rudd killed the uh, the, the main, uh, you know, the love interest of the main guy. What's, yes. what's the main guy's name? The mute guy. Leo. Leo. Uh, his, you know, he's searching for his love interest. The whole movie, who had disappeared. Right. At the end, you find out that she's basically Paul Rudd's like ex lover at the very least, and they shared this ex wife. Ex wife. Yeah. yeah. And they share this daughter. But to me, and I don't know if this is just me making it up, he was going to take the daughter back to America, and it was insinuated that maybe, like, he killed her partly so he could do that, so he could take her without, you know, resistance of some kind. Yes, because like, she was trying to. Uh, there's a conversation which, when I first saw it, I like, was like so with the, confused. the general, right? Yes, with yeah. the MPs that are looking for specifically. You you hear on the intercom all the time. In, in this world, in the city, in the city yeah. uh, announcements trying to have people rat on the AWOL U.S. soldiers right. who are okay. hiding out in Berlin. Okay so, it, so, okay, so there's that kind of commentary that it's common. Yes, and she specifically is trying to get money together not only to try to leave the country, but to also pay off the MPs to go after Paul Rudd specifically oh, to get him that. out. And, and at, right at the beginning, doesn't he pay off the general... Like like the general gets a, an envelope and kind of looks at him. And yeah, when they're envelope, first in the bar, when you first like see first them, Paul all, Rudd scene. Okay. right? Yeah. So before like uh, he gets uh, Leo gets involved with the the Limeys who right. are like out of control and hitting on his girlfriend and and being insanely rude. Um, he he goes and bites T- typical all of them. typical British behavior. Oh, absolutely insanely rude. <laughs> As a person who is basically largely you know Welsh Irish yeah. that you know UK heritage. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100 percent yeah full of a-holes over here so the uh but so in that scenario you're right so the general isn't there he gets an envelope there's a wink and a nod yep. and then that scene continues and, and then that's later Paul on Rudd paying him off i think so yeah yeah he was kind of man so I, I will say like a lot of stuff is thrown at you really fast in this movie right and because there's so many aspects like that that are like this world is not the world you live in yes um i think that that stuff is confusing because i don't remember that part really i remember the general getting money i just didn't remember that it was tied to paul rudd and his yeah. awalness well, I, I would say it, as a person i i don't know how many you guys watched the movie once i assume yeah yes so I watched the movie once and I just had this burning thing in my head of like, okay, now that I've seen where this goes, this has to make more sense when you You watch watch it a second time. time. And it does, but I felt like it didn't do a ton more for me. Like as as liking the movie more, yeah, or committing yeah, yeah. to it more. Like I appreciated it more. It tied things together, yeah. but it didn't ultimately have any kind of further emotional payoff right. or right, right, anything right. like that. Because I think it's still very convoluted well it's it's, and, it's funny because i wonder about how it fe- affects the story when you do something like okay it's it, like let's say it's in berlin because you want this guy to be a wall and he's somewhere else right or like he's amish because that's a way we can explain why his mother didn't let him get the surgery and now he's mute but yes. when those when those things are only there 
for these tiny, tiny reasons. Right. They just feel like glaring issues. Yes. They feel, they feel like they're like, why is this this? Why is this this? Like, I kept thinking, like, is his Amishness going to come into the story? I mean, she, yeah. in the beginning of the movie, she's like, I know you don't know how to use cell phones. And he's like, give me the cell phone. Now I use it. And I'm yeah. like... What would be the difference if that guy just had a cell phone the whole right. time? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I think my other thing, the, like the opening scenes of the movie are uh, his accident where he yes. gets his throat cut by a boat propeller. Yeah. And there is an Amish tween girl yeah. who's like watching the whole thing. Right. And she's nobody. She's not in the and movie. She's and that's nobody. what I'm saying. I don't know who she is. No. I don't yeah. know if she's just a, a friend or right. a sister or any kind of I'm those like, things. oh, does she grow up to be the love interest? Nope. And here's the thing. I've watched enough terrible serial dramas, right. medical dramas on television that largely there's bound to be an Amish episode. Yeah. And largely the problem there is that usually the child or some person in that community is taken into the hospital because they're unconscious and they don't know they're being taken. Right. And as soon as they know, they just fight to get out. Right. Because mm. it's like, oh, the community you yeah. know, surrounds you and takes you out and everything else. Because we, they don't believe in that. Right. Right. So this one, it seems like they were all, you know, at least this child, yeah. this other child was like, yeah, totally. We're all going to bring them to the hospital. And then, what, so what was the point? If you get to the hospital and it's like, okay, we don't believe in surgery. That's where you drew the line. Yeah. Not like. <laughs> they saved his, his life. His neck uh, is not. He's not hanging with like a nearly headless Nick from Harry Potter situation. Right. He's not killed over. He clear. They clearly patched up his neck. Right. Yeah. They clearly fixed something because he would have just bled to death. Yeah. yeah. So what level of surgery did right. you deny yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. so he could speak? That seems a little cruel. I, so I, I will say just just because if someone's listening to this and we go through it and kind of this like harp on everything. I will say my overall feelings about the movie just so that sure, there's, yeah, a, there's a little yeah. there's a little bit of positivity. I. I I thought Paul Rudd did an awesome job. Yeah. I thought his character and basically, you don't want to call it a twist, but the misdirect of his character the whole time and his turn as basically the heel. Right. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, I liked a lot of the concepts of this movie. I liked yeah. a lot of the thoughts behind it. It just seemed a little bit half-baked to me. Like it right. wasn't like, you know, it was like an early draft of something. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean I hate it. And a lot of times, you know, Brad, Brad and I talk about it. I sometimes, even when a movie's not awesome... I do like to look for the positives and be like, well, that person. There are a bunch of positives in this. Yeah. In this movie, and, and the people that did those things, those you know, writer, director, whatever it is, in every case, now they've they 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 know how to do this positive thing. The next thing they do, now they can fix this little mistake, and you can believe that that person gets better and better and better. Yeah, unfortunately, Duncan Jones gets in a situation now, so he has stuff on his ledger that people right. thoroughly enjoy that was critically yep. yeah. successful. Yeah. Then he comes into this scenario to where Netflix basically said, here's your budget. Yep. We'll see you when the movie's done. So yeah. everything that you're seeing yeah. is no meddling. This is straight, pure 100% Duncan Jones. So you kind of go, okay, <laughs> is there something to the studio system right. that like aids yes. these things? Like maybe a, a better set of producers or something would have helped him along to kind of do this. Cause even a guy like Scorsese legendarily like just shoots and shoots and just kind of like shoots until he's blue in the face. And then his, I forget her name now, but his uh, female editor basically takes all the stuff that he did and then kind of makes the movie so like she's almost like half responsible for right. every sure. scorsese movie and everybody needs that 
And what's interesting is he had a lot of the same people he worked with before, but somehow this one didn't translate. Well, you never know. I mean, when someone has like, you know, if there's if you're talking about a studio movie like this, where it's a big, big production and there's a producers and there's a writer and there's a director and there's a lot of people behind the scenes, you really never know. You never get to know as, an, as a viewer True. who has what control. So like there might be, a you know, let's say Moon. Moon yeah. might have had... Uh, you know, a producer who was way more hands-on. It might sure. have had this. It might have had this. That might have been in production for for eight years, or it might have been in production for less time. And that yeah. means that it was a smaller story that wasn't expanded so much. Right. So the stuff behind the scenes that we'll never know is probably the culprit for this kind of weird stuff. You know what I mean? It's possible. I mean, because famously, Warcraft is the opposite. Yes. The a complete it was opposite. Like sixteen producers. So many. Oh, yeah, they yeah, had. Yeah. They yeah. were uh, signed by one film company who dissolved yeah. during the making. of the movie so then they had another set of bosses that had more notes basically it was too many cooks in the kitchen you know you had so many people whether it's the people at Blizzard and all these other people who who had certain claims to it that rightly should uh, you know say something but ultimately obviously it's going to fall upon the director and yeah it's it's an interesting thing we talk about this and I, I always bring up this specific case where like one of the biggest albums of all time is Eminem's The Marshall Mathers LP. Yes. And he turned that album in. I think it's 16 tracks. And he turned it in with 14 tracks. And they said, you want a big poppy single. Right. And in response, he wrote The Way I Am, which is a very dark, dark single. Yeah. Then they said, that's not a poppy single. You have to write a poppy single. And he wrote The Real Slim Shady. So now go back and think of The Marshall Mathers LP right. without The Real Slim Shady and The Way I Am. Yeah. And what is that album without those two songs? Yeah, it's and, very and, and, different. And there's a lot of great songs on it. That mean all mean different things, but those two hooks into popular culture that grab you know just like the 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 cultural zeitgeist of the moment. Yeah, they bring people in. Yeah. That changes what the album is. Yeah. So that meddling, pushing this artist to go in this direction and create this, really probably was the final touch on a very specific equation that made this huge album. And right. It was, and it was a positive. It yeah. Was positive from every standpoint. Critically acclaimed. One of the biggest albums of all time. Right. So you have to wonder: is it is it just this uh, this perfect storm has to happen? And sometimes it just doesn't. With either too much, too oh, little. Oh sure. You know. And you even hear stories all the time, like Silence of the Lambs is a prime example, to where there was a a, a scene that was taken out after a screening where just a screenwriter friend of Demi's that just said, listen, you don't need this scene. It distracts from your, it was like right at the end, they had the film cut. It was handed to the studio. And he was like, if you cut that out, the movie makes way more sense and it's going to be a great movie. But this scene is ruining your movie. And they went back and they were like, Son of a bitch, he's yeah, fucking right. Yeah. And they took it out, and then yeah, it swept the Oscars, and you have all these things. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you just need an honest person in your face to just be like, "Listen, you fucked up here." Yeah, yeah. And and you know, obviously, I'm not saying this is largely trash. I've seen reviews that are way harsher right. than I'm gonna hopefully come off in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or any. I mean, obviously, you guys are kind of maybe on the same wavelength. Like you, yeah. you appreciate things. I don't know. So if you want to yeah. go straight up, like liked it, didn't like it, like oh, I, I'd say I'd say it was a movie that's it's definitely 
not a movie that achieved the status of being like close to my heart or something yes, that I'm right. like, oh, this is great, or someone you have to watch this. Um, recommend? No recommend. Um, I recommend if if yeah. you if you are like like to watch movies here and there, and you have Netflix and it's Thursday night and you're looking for something to <laughs> sure, watch. Yeah, I think sure, give it a watch, especially if you like sci-fi, if you like Paul Rudd, or if, if you, you want to watch a, a missed opportunity Blade Runner copy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know that if it's you're, destination, if you're into the genre. I don't know that it's destination viewing, but if right. it's on, sure. sure. Yeah, um, right. That's how I, you I know, some some things that I liked, uh, and it's weird because it's just a touch of like creating a setting is the idea of food delivered by drones. Yes. Like, like to me, I thought that was super which, well done. Which I've heard more positives right. about that right. than I, the rest I'm of the like, movie. I'm like, oh, that, that could work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's introduced in an earlier I like, scene. I like that too. And yeah. then used as a plot point later on as, yeah. as that he was attempts great. to very find well, Very his, well executed. Uh, so that, that was great. Justin Thoreau. Awesome. Uh, you know, I remember reading they wanted it to be like a, uh, the guys from MASH. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of dynamic between yeah. between... Paul Rudd and uh, and Justin Thoreau. But yeah, Justin I heard the Thoreau, same. Like you know, his character was a pedophile, and it's really hard to you know root for a pedophile. Yeah, well, I you find it interesting the turn. Uh, here's what I think, and I actually, yeah. I actually, I will fight for this angle because here's what it does. The whole time you're following Leo, who is a mute person, right? And he's searching for the, his missing girlfriend, right? And you're also following this other story that's kind of not connected of Paul Rudd. And Justin Thoreau's character, right? And it's they're basically not connected at first, except they have some of the same employers a little bit. They're right. floating yeah, they're the They give you teasers, yeah. yeah. They're, they, teasers. yeah they're exactly. around each You're other, right? Same boss, so, same sort so, of circles, but not completely explicitly together. Right. So think of it as A story, Leo, B story, Doctors. Right. right. So the B story starts going in this direction where you start seeing that one of them is a pedophile, Justin Thoreau's character, right? And that takes the focus of the story. So you're yeah. saying, oh, this is about Paul Rudd trying to get out, finds out this terrible thing is happening with his friend, right. and he has this daughter, and he feels conflicted. So sure. your attention is pulled away from the idea of like, wait a minute, could Paul Rudd be the reason this girl's missing? Whatever it is, right. Paul Rudd automatically, just yeah. because Justin throws yeah. a bad guy, right. Paul Rudd, you automatically think of him as a good guy, yeah. right? because he's the other side, and he's reacting. And, 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 he's a family he, man. Yeah. He's, exactly. he's saying, stay away from little little kids, and yeah, right. he threatens him. Yeah, sure. so, you, so your, yeah. Your, your attention is pulled and then all of a sudden, Paul Rudd starts having these little outbursts, and it becomes clear that he's the person who murdered uh, Leo's girlfriend, yes. slash Paul Rudd's ex-wife. Yeah. And I think the whole reason that, that that Justin Thoreau is a pedophile, because if he's not, then what is that story? That's true. Yeah. And, be- and so it's basically, all it is is hiding the heel turn of Paul Rudd. Right. All yeah. it is is protecting by, by that. putting a bigger heel next to him. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> yes. a, it's a red herring of yeah. he's not, it's almost like if this movie is kind of a whodunit a little bit, yeah. this is not saying that Justin Thoreau done it, but he done something else. Yes, right. So you don't he, he think done. of you don't yeah. think of the person reacting to that as the person who could be the person who who done it. And yeah. so I thought that that was a good mislead. The phone angle I thought was interesting, or at least I find it interesting in the fact that I can't fully wrap my head around the motives. Like, because uh, when you see at the oh, end of the movie, I don't like, understand that part. So he's messaging him, basically oh, acting yeah, yeah. Yeah. as Justin Thoreau's girlfriend to yeah. like kind of keep. The search alive, essentially, wait, wait, and wait, wait, to kind on. of focus. I, I do. Okay, so he was getting these messages, correct? With like little, basically, let's call them like emojis, almost sure. on yeah. pictures. Yeah. 
Paul Rudd was doing that. No, no, no. Justin Theroux was doing that. Yeah, just to mess with him. Just to just to, to mess with yeah. Leo. Yeah, to mess with Leo. And then at the end, he sent the final text because he was so mad at Paul Rudd for like threatening him. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he's like, oh, you yeah. Know he what? literally says like, "You should have been nicer to me." Yeah. And that that his anger was gonna you Wait, know ultimately why? get him killed. Where where, where did uh, Justin Theroux and Leo first cross paths that he wanted to do this? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if it. Uh, how if I had he, to think about it. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because they talk about him in like the bartender sense of like right. ruining things for Paul Rudd, but I don't remember a solid interaction with him specifically. Rudd, or, there's or, several. Or would Justin Theroux have taken the phone from the corpse yes. of, uh, of the girlfriend and, you know, he's just like, ah, oh, this is funny. Yeah. But obviously uh, we didn't that, see that either because yeah. you can't. Right. All, all so, of that seems really strange. Yeah. Are you sure we just didn't miss something? Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I missed the whole Sam Rockwell part. So Yeah, so the, yeah. the cameos in this are quite yeah. interesting. And there's little Easter eggs of like thoughts that Duncan Jones just put in there for Well, that's for my question. Fun. Maybe you have more of an insight on this. So there's a part where, you know, where, they, where Leo goes into a cafe. Yes. There's a TV on. And it's used as a plot device because he sits away from the TV. So the person He knows he's there, Amish. Yeah. He knows he's Amish. Right. But... On the TV is uh, Sam Rockwell yes. in court versus Sam Rockwell with a jury of Sam Rockwells. Essentially. Well, it's it's his character from Moon. That's what I thought. So yeah, it's supposed to be like a, the trial, the aftermath right. of the character from That's Moon. What I th- that's what that. I thought yeah. I was. So like the worlds is- collide in this one, right? But why yeah. are there that many? Ju- like in in Moon, I understand the Sam Rockwells, the multiple ones, and he's going crazy and all that stuff. Yeah. But what 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 about the people in the it's again the same fallout from the same thing jury that you're peers. putting together. Yeah, Chuck, sure. What, what better way to get a jury of your peers? <laughs> There's than something to have on clones. the bottom line. I was, I think I paused it and tried to read to see yeah. what the full extent was, but I, yeah, that's weird. It, again, it's a small thing, a wink and a nod, yeah, that type of thing, uh, just to do the same way. Uh, Dominic Moynihan's in this movie yeah. without any fanfare. I, he's Oswald, he's, he's the, the Kabuki shirt. guy oh, with okay. the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had no idea that was him. Yeah, like, none at all. I didn't at first glance, and then uh, I, I began. I like listened to an interview and then watched it again. I was like, "Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. it is him." I, I saw that. So he was, he was like that character was skimming like prostitution funds from the main. Well, he was working with Nikki who is yeah. siphoning who was, off who of the funds. main okay. boss okay. on that too, trying to do a side hustle. Yep. That was again, a lot of these things that if you follow the strings, they don't go anywhere. Right. I'm They're just little teases to take you off. Paul Rudd. Yeah, exactly. Essentially to exactly. take you off the idea of this. See the, the in the, to me, the, the, the pedophile angle uh, it's just one more of those. That, that's that that one works and that one makes sense to you me. You know, I'll, I'll say it does because then the the daughter is in like real danger. And at so the end yeah. Of the movie. And so when Paul Rudd is also also when Paul Rudd is trying yeah. to get away, like that's kind of part of it. Yeah, it's kind of which I think if anything largely saves this movie is probably that five ten minute span when that really when the aha really starts yeah. to come together and that yeah, scene yeah uh, where obviously Paul Rudd is taken out and the discovery and everything else like. It's probably the best work yeah. of the movie. I think so too. Because I'm, I'm, I'm you kind of just are like, good, we got somewhere. We yeah. got some juice. Right. We got, yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of juice in this yeah, movie. There's I, a lot like, of following, a lot of teases. It, it showed, uh, you know, it showed Skarsgård like taking a deep breath and swimming underwater for yes. a long time. It showed him taking or a drinking deep breath a lot and of water. drinking a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when he grabs, uh, 
throw and like jumps off the bridge at the end, I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense because sure. he can hold his breath for a long time. Yeah. So he's just going to... He's I preparing for this moment. Yeah. It's it's almost like, and please don't take offense to this, Uh-oh. to the uneducated viewer, What? it seems it seems like it makes sense, right? Because yeah. you're like, oh... He can hold his breath a long time. Oh, and then you right. think about it, you're like, oh yeah, he's been doing this and training for no reason at all. No reason at all. Because if he was, if he was going to like do right. something again, like be a swimmer, I mean, he swims at one point, right. but like it's not like it's part of two points i i I think he did it in my mind i'm like all right well he is it unshown unseen like a reaction to how he got his injury in the first place that he surfaced too early and got cut up by the propeller again unseen. yeah but and and so he's like no i have to be able to hold my breath or is it like so many indie movies where they introduce a concept early on never explain why they introduced it but it's there just so it can pay off at the end yes yeah. And and a lot of times, and again, I don't want to sound largely condescending because I love right. this guy's yeah. work, but a lot of times, like even with a, a, a director like Alfonso Cuaron, yep. he loves using water as a sense of like rebirth. It's like it, it means something when right. he cool. uses it. Like, like, in, like in gravity. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, he does it like so many times. Yeah. But yes, gravity, the end specifically, yeah, specifically. Is, is shown to do that. Yeah. It's like the rebirth when they get back into the you know, onto the, onto earth. So you have a lot of those ones. He does it with Roma that just came out. Right. Again, that's another one of those like Netflix, let somebody do their pet project and right. one. Yeah. So they're banking a lot on these directors, but right. obviously Duncan Jones had a, a much less success because yeah. he's not up for best picture uh, in this scenario. So, but a lot of times I just wanted a lot of these things to have purpose. Right. And they didn't seem to have purpose besides just getting exactly. to a think, place and point. So to me, Berlin, Amish, and the water thing happening, they're all the same thing where it's like, yeah, I guess it makes sense in the movie, but there's right. not ever a deeper part. It's not, it's not ingrained in the story for anything. I will yeah. say, you know how cartoons exist? Yeah. So it shows <laughs> yes. him drinking his giant thing of water yeah. right at the beginning, you know, as he's an adult. And I'm yeah. like, is water going to come shooting out of his neck? <laughs> <That's what laughs> <I'm laughing laughs> and then I'm like, right. oh, I Ready? can't tell anyone. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading. A, and then you're like, let me save it for when I have a microphone in front of me. <laughs> and, it'll and I'm going to broadcast it out to other people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I do the same thing all the time yeah. where I'll be on stage doing a joke and I go, I probably shouldn't say that to anyone, but I'm going to do it right yeah. now yeah. in front of a crowd full of people. Yeah. And I do it all the time. I, I have the synopsis up because just because I want to know about this, why yeah, how they text. pitched this movie. Well, no, no, it's about the specific the text because you know in the movie, Leo's girlfriend uh, disappears. There's footage of Leo with his girlfriend on the phone. Yes, and so Leo is getting taunted with texts and videos with little emojis on them like i said yes. re- anonymously mm-hmm. and at the end you find out that it's justin thoreau's character duck right this is what it says about it because i don't understand why that would happen <laughs> you never see duck and leo interact right so it, so that's my big hurdle is yeah. why would he ever do this and it says after bill who is paul or paul rudd and duck justin thoreau torture simsek on maxim's orders the two other characters yes bill discovers pictures of naked children on duck's computer bill threatens to break duck's arms if he ever touches a child but bill becomes elated when maxim reports he has for the forged documents ready for bill to take his daughter yeah, home that was the scene right. in the clinic where he right, finds right. the camera in the chamber yeah i didn't know okay. I, I gotta, I gotta yeah. get to the part i didn't okay yeah. bill takes duck out on the town in celebration offering his house to duck saying you can live in my house yes it is during this time that Duck casually reveals that he was the one who had been anonymously texting Leo yes. as a way to vent his frustrations with Bill. What does that yeah. mean? Which is funny because, again, later, 
he kind of when when he's taking that ride to to send him off the bridge. Yes. Yeah. He kind of taunts him like that he had an issue with Leo that like cuz they're they're purposely at a moment where it's the place the photo that yeah. Leo keeps showing that's oh, the photo yeah, yeah, of yeah. and he's like I took that photo. Look these they were in love cuz it says like Bill and yeah. uh how do you, Nadira, excuse Nadira, me, yeah, yeah. Um, had like the heart thing, like carved in whatever, had this whole moment. And it's like almost like he was blaming, obviously, Leo, Leo yeah. for the breakup of their marriage and, and that it's that he does have a problem with him. So that synopsis is almost half hearted exactly. or at least right. there are, there seems to be multiple inconsistent versions of the that's, same that's, scenario. That's what it is. So, you know, if if this story was that. Lee, uh, that duck, Justin Thoreau, believed yeah. that Paul Rudd, you know, was now maybe unhappy and more of a piece of shit and a bad guy or yeah. whatever, had these frustrations because Leo broke up their relationship. And right. that's why he's taunting Leo. Yeah. That could make sense if that was a fully formed thing. Right. But really, it's definitely not. No. Definitely not. No. I, that's really I, weird. I feel like that's a lot of the, the point of this movie, or at least the problems with this movie, is kind of the the lack of clear motivation yes. and kind of the lack of character development. I feel like they had too many characters. I think that's where it gets kind of lost yeah. to I, I like agree. almost if you combined certain characters, you almost yeah. could have made like, a sleeker, you know, the, the, more the, defined. The second, like the, the prostitute who was also Nadira's roommate. Yeah. Who actually went by like on that photo that he yeah. finds, he thinks is Nadira cause it's signed Nadira, yeah. but ends up being even, uh, Luba who yeah. even, he even, knew yeah. from the, even that moment was so weird. Yes. Like the reveal of that, we're like, okay, so we're supposed to just like understand that it's not her, but it was supposed to be her. It's not even like there was a reason for that. Honestly, I never was tricked by it. I was like, why did he why, take this? Well, I, right. I thought, <laughs> because I'm like, that is clearly not her. I, I so thought, why, why is, is he why is she shrouded in, in shadow? I thought that was very well, strange. What's funny is that in an interview I heard with Duncan Jones, he was like, oh, did you catch that? That was a Jessica Rabbit nod. Like that the photo, like in the way he yeah, was yeah, dialed up, that he's boobs, supposed yeah. to be Jessica Rabbit. That's yeah, that's weird. And I'm like, okay, but again, something that doesn't fully service the the movie. It seems like a lot of substance, a lot of flair. And like I thought the the universe was looked good. I've heard criticisms of that. Yeah. I don't agree with that right. fully. I thought it had that kind of yeah. Blade Runner thing. Yeah. I heard people complain things as small as like why do they have cars on the ground and cars that can fly? It's like, oh, uh, did you see so Back did, to the Future? I was too? just going to say that. I'm like, <laughs> people revered that fucking movie. And that was way longer than this. So I, I, w I would think he said he was very uh, tired. I'm just so tired when I made this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, because he had a kid, yeah. like a newborn, like right and, when and, this and, was you know, happening. The, the reason we're talking about this in such an in-depth way that may seem critical is because that's what this this podcast is about: is discussing these things. Sure, in depth. yeah. I'm not you. Not really like a guy who like rips things up, but I just want to have a discussion. Sure. So I don't want it to be too negative. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to see, me to seem too negative because because you never know how these things go yeah, down, sure. how it shakes sure, out, sure, and sure. and I largely love this guy's work. So obviously. Right. I didn't want to I went in yeah. high hopes Me very yeah, high yeah, hopes yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw everything on the page and I loved all of it yeah. especially because they did not say the Amish part and I was like 
That's interesting. Why yep. would you do that? I, I, um, I was like, this will come back into play later. Nope. Yep, not really. I guess besides say, the fact that he's really good at making furniture. Yep. You know what? I'll say this. I'll say this. <laughs> Sturdy furniture. Sturdy furniture. Yeah, he like hits a yeah. car into it and it's fine. I think I liked everything about Paul Rudd's character and plight. Minus one thing, which I, this is what I thought was weird. At the end, you get to see like from the uh, you know the girlfriend's point of view. Nadira, mm. as she's getting killed by Paul Rudd, right. he has her in plastic, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna give you some time to think about it," and that means that he killed her. That was so weird because he just a, let her suffocate, suffocate yeah, right? Apparently. But that but that was bizarre. That's the last does, thing he yeah, said. Some... And then he goes into a then he goes into a freezer. Or he goes into a room. He opens a freezer, and she's not there, and she's next to him on the ground. Why yeah. that? Why that, that largely confused me yeah. too. Wasn't that like, bizarre? Yes, it it's was. Like, what the hell was that about? Did he know this was kind or his? Once he got his papers, he was like, "My my cards have been shown here." Like. You know that, and just be like, let's get rid of this. But he, it's not like he got rid of the body. He I, just I, I thought the trans- let her die. <laughs> I thought the transition of him, you know, in quote unquote, killing her was so soft and and weakly handled. And yeah. It was so like kind of like I guess this happened, and like and like, then it's all of a sudden she's dead. And yeah. That's, and that should especially be for a guy that quote this, unquote has an anger problem. Right. Yeah. You would and, think he'd double down. And not blow only that, but in this movie. That is the final beat of the plot of the whole what's driving well, the his, film. Yeah, yeah. His you know what I mean. So you'd think that there'd be like a definitive. Here's what happened. Right. Here's the reveal. But it's sure. I'm going to give you some time to think about that for a little bit, and I'm going to watch TV tomorrow. Maybe I'll see you later. And you're like, wait, what? What did you say about it? Was, find- it was just like trailed <laughs> off. Yeah. And do you find it fu- interesting that like. Why is Justin Thoreau the final part of this mix? Um, I I mean, think about like this. Like the last here's ten one, minutes. Here's one thing we didn't mention. Get rid of it. Justin Thoreau then takes Leo, knocks him out. Yeah. Performs surgery to implant vocal cords in him. Yes. So that Leo can apologize for killing Paul Rudd. Yeah. And then takes him on a trip to the bridge where the picture was taken. Yeah. Because he wants to to apologize on the way there. And wants this what right? see. The, his effect that he had on their marriage, like get some kind of like well, even, even, weird what, villains story. But even, even the idea of doing the surgery to get him to be able to apologize for right. killing seems, him. Seems like he could have written that apology down. It might've meant more. Not, not only that, it's just like <laughs> with a little bear or something. Yeah. He's very so, good at drawing. It's just so weird. I mean, I, I don't even buy the character motivation of like, Oh, Paul Rudd killed your girlfriend and then tried to beat you up and you killed him in response. You need to apologize. Yeah. And also, I think Paul Rudd is abusive too, but you need to apologize. Yeah. And even that is weird. And says over his corpse, like, I knew your anger and your your bullshit was going to get you in trouble one day. And there you are. So that was really strange to me. And I I was I was like, basically, like five minutes after Paul Rudd was dead, I was like, this movie is still playing. Like, what's going on here? It was so <laughs> yeah. confusing. And it has some time left. And I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not a snarky uh, film person, but like, I was just confused about a lot of moments in this. What did, uh, what did, uh, your girlfriend's mother and uh, stepsister <laughs> say about the film? Yeah. You know, it's so basically. Thank you for the follow up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there people watch movies for different reasons and watch them in different ways. Yeah. And sometimes you're in a dark room with a couple people and no one talks and everyone pays attention. Yeah. And you just can't wait. Like if you're sitting there like, I think this movie sucks. Well, and then you're no, just waiting for someone to say, if you say do, something else. If you do that, then you're paying attention to everything. Sure. But if you're kind of talking here and there and, and it's not mm. dark and stuff, when you miss stuff, you kind of make the assumption that 
um, they must have explained it and you missed it. Right. And they weren't as invested as I was. But if I ever felt like I missed a line or anything, I rewound it and played it again. Right. So they, they kind of checked out after it seemed to be getting very convoluted essentially yeah it was like and that's what happens to people when they watch movies like we we you know we watch this movie on purpose to talk about it so we right. paid attention right. but when you watch a movie in an hour in you're like there's still over an hour left and i think that they're not doing a good job with this story yeah sometimes it's hard to stay invested and i think they were like yeah whatever we'll watch this movie and, and see what happens but i think they just weren't that invested after like an hour yeah you know because it just didn't seem like it really had much of a a logic trail that it was following right you know so so they were like that was weird. They were like, that was all right. It was weird. Yeah. They, they weren't, they weren't super critical, but they weren't really into it. Something that's interesting here. I don't know if you guys have children at all. No, no. I have three children. You have three children. With bread. <laughs> no, I don't have any children. I Chuck, got a puppy last Chuck, week. Chuck has a puppy, which is basically <laughs> the same as a human child. It's right. hard. It's hard. It's rough. And not that I'm saying you need Ch- to you have know, them to Chuck, answer this Chuck question. Chuck breastfeeds the puppy. That's that's what makes it so challenging. He seems very attached. Yes. To have the video yes. already to be like spying it on your dog while I you're do. gone. I do. I have a little camera so I can watch a little Swiss Miss at home. Make sure she's all right. <laughs> but Duncan Jones says in the movie or on, on interviews for the movie that this movie is largely largely about parenthood and the and the and the versions of what makes a good parent does it have to do what doesn't what doesn't doesn't do with paul rudd or does it have to do with somebody else i mean i guess it's it's all around i mean he's the only one who technically has a child but i guess so here's the the duncan jones background even metaphorically that's hard to figure out though like who who is paternal over who it's true, and that's kind of, I think, the point of it a little bit. So the the background of Duncan Jones is that or he's David Bowie's child. Right. So even though he may have gone on tour with him or stayed in different cities with him and did all these things, he, to his own admission, says he was largely raised by Nanny. And the movie, at the end, I don't know if you caught it, the movie's dedicated to David Bowie and the woman who raised him, his full-time nanny, wow. during that part. Wow. And so, and, and if you think about this movie, it's a child who, yes, has a father, but he's kind of largely moving around, not very stable, and she gets, you know, kind of parented by whoever is around or whoever is you know kind of more consistent and it kind of has the parallels a little bit of how he was raised sure 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 so and obviously and this is berlin where he lived for some time so it feels like a largely personal movie but i ultimately don't get what he's saying about it yeah i'd say the other parenthood part of the movie was and we talked about a little bit the the amish part where right. it's, you know our son has been hurt we're making this choice for our son that will affect him yes. for the rest of his life yes uh but yeah that's that doesn't have anything to do with yeah. the rest of the movie i right. guess what, right. I, what i was thinking this is me just kind of throwing a hail mary pass <laughs> do it is uh Why do you use a football term i'm proud of you <laughs> Uh, Paul More Rudd. More than just wrestling terms. We're, we're evolving here today. It's my suplex on this part of the movie. Um, we actually were, I was called and asked to uh, like be the person that calls a lethal lottery for Beyond Wrestling okay. recently. And yeah. I was like so fucking psyched, but I already have tickets for something. So uh, old Brad Bones got the gig. I'm nice. going to be the mean Gene Okerlund. Oh, Beyond sweet. Wrestling. That's so cool. I'm jealous. But uh, no, my thought is maybe, and this is just kind of, a, you know, just for c- talking points really. You know, Paul Rudd essentially is down to be this like, you know, criminal doctor. He's down to torture someone, even though he doesn't want to. He's down to kill his ex-wife 
and do whatever he has to to take care of to do what he believes is right for his daughter. Right. Eventually, you know what I mean. He wants to get her back to America, and he thinks that that's the right thing. Right. And so he does all these huge things that maybe to him are big sacrifices to take care of her. That's the only thing I could possibly think of is this paternal thing. Yeah, there's just, so many things where you're just kind of like you can point to Paul Rudd's character and you can go, "This guy's a good guy," or at least like his principles right. are sound in a lot of things. But then you also kind of he's also a very seedy character he's a very duplicity he's a murderer and yeah and he's a friend with a pedophile and lets him immediately off the hook right after I, the discovery or the conversation you know about the, it i'll say this just just uh throw it on the table i believe that like you know he was so pissed off about it and then he got the call that he and his daughter could go back to america yeah and he kind of dropped it to celebrate with his friend that's a hard turn i feel like (laughs) i feel like that might be realistic if he really thinks his life is going to come go back to normal and he's leaving this life behind yeah i think that might be realistic i think because at first i was like oh that's really weird that he just kind of turned his back on that anger but not only turned it back on the anger he could have gone out by himself and celebrated but he chose to go out with him it's still his friend though it's still his friend it's still his friend if i found out my friend's a pedophile that's that's pretty much over (laughs) especially if i have a daughter of the age uh, in question you'd still be like heartbroken though and then and the thing is it's not like this is like years of friendship this is like basically this is our night and i'm leaving yeah and uh his concerns for his daughter are still like prevalent because there's right. that time where he's like I could even leave her here but I'm going to take her with me instead just to make sure and right. obviously at the end it's kind of hinted that darkly Justin Thoreau is going to take the daughter right um, but I do think that maybe just thinking about this parenting thing if it's that important to him that he gets his daughter back to the Mer- America maybe that does kind of eclipse everything else in that moment when he finds out that that's possible right. I guess it's Could maybe that Largely, I guess, is maybe just the choices that parents make, whether that's, right that's or my, wrong. That's my question. Is it's all know. about the better, the best thing they believe for the child, right, like, regardless of what it is. Yeah, because you said about the Amish parents. Right. I mean, it's that same vibe. It's like sure. we're doing the thing that we think is best for you, right. whether it's right or wrong, whether how it affects you or not. And I don't know who ultimately he thinks is a good version of this because everyone's say, very affected by say, the dis- like, like it never ends up well for anybody those right. parenting choices yeah right yeah because i mean uh, the way it all ends up is the the daughter ends up with the the grandmother and you know scar scar goes on with his business yeah. and uh, everybody else is dead or affected you know yeah. uh so what i don't know how to feel when this yeah. movie ends i mean i guess happy for the daughter because she also didn't speak through the whole movie yeah, she, and she i was thinking too right we, yeah, yeah she only spoke to to Skarsgård. yeah i you know i'll say this the the bracelet reveal at the end that she's been I, giving I the thought bracelet, that was that nice. was great that was yeah. a good that was yes. great that was because again something they actually set up nicely yeah. over time yeah. uh and i you know uh sorry just another thing no sure saying. Uh, the the book Twilight and possibly the movie Twilight. I, I've never seen it, but I did read the book. Mm. There's a they skip over a big climactic fight scene right. because the the girl character Bella has like passed out and she misses this vampire fight. Right. This film sets up one of the uh, the the mob guys, one of the henchmen, as like this big tough goon that like, yes. fights everyone. And so you see Skarsgård going in to fight him and he's carrying his uh, his bed frame leg. <laughs> yeah. And then it like cuts to a different room and you don't see that fight at all. And I felt cheated. Mm. And I didn't, I, like, and I 
I, I get the idea of kind of bait and switching the audience, right. but I still I, I wanted to see that fight. Yeah, and uh, and it just skipped directly over it. Yeah. And so when, is is it one of those things that like the fight is better in our heads right. than it would have been on screen, or or is that just like a way to passively show that Leo is like a super tough guy right. and makes durable furniture? Yeah. I, I don't right. know. I just terrible I just felt fight. like you know they were setting that fight scene up and then they just skipped it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of loose ends, a lot of starts and stops and yep. plot yeah, yeah, points yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that. That I think ultimately, if, if it was a little more focused, a little more reined in, maybe combine some elements and kind of move forward, that it could have been better. Yeah. But I just don't know who this movie's for or what they're really, what the message is that they're trying to do. I mean, I know that he said he was largely uh, influenced by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, like to kind of. That, oh, you can have all this setting that's very interesting or whatever, but ultimately it's about yeah. this the one people. thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like like The Matrix is yeah. a very popular example of that. It's like you see all this you know, futuristic tech, but ultimately it's about these people and their story and their arcs and everything else. So right. I don't know. I felt, especially a lot of times when people also have debilitating sensory issues, like even with Bird Box or any yep. of these other ones lately, it usually has some kind of deeper meaning too. And I felt like it was just a plot device that just was like, me too. Wouldn't this be interesting? It's like seventh grade, you know, like composition class. Like yeah. and it never mattered. It never th- mattered. Yeah. Cause this story could have been very stale or weak yeah. or retread yeah, in right. a way. But he was like, what if yeah. he's mute? And what if he's Amish in a very tech heavy future sense? And, and all then, these other things. Yeah, but none of that Just matters. Just to slow him down, essentially. Yeah, and none of it matters, though. I mean, it's not like he had a problem communicating. There was the one time where it's like, you have to speak into that thing for the address. And he's like, oh, no, I don't speak. And the guy's like, ah, I speak. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Just a guy there so, like, to help him out. Did, did, did the mute thing ever stop him ever? I don't no. Know. It seemed like people were very patient with him. <laughs> and so it, I, don't think it, I don't think it ever did. Did the technology thing ever stop him? Not fully, because again, he grasped to the yeah. phone thing pretty easily. No, none of none of it ever stopped him. Yeah. Isn't that strange? What 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 was it there for? Yeah, really weird, right? You can write Duncan Jones a letter because I, I sure as shit don't. Know. It, it's very strange because you yeah. think that like you know they're in like let's you know example, uh, quiet place. The little girl is deaf. Right. That has to do with the the story. Yeah, it, know, it helps the story. It helps along. the story. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it solves a problem. Like yeah, a lot of these things, you are usually for a plot. either. The plot eventually. Either it means something in the sense of like a lot of times with the sensory deprivation, somehow religion right. uh, pops up a lot yep, with sure. those because uh, it's you know kind of like Jesus's story or other uh, stories from the Bible that are very right. much those type of things. Right. Like Jesus always carried those birds around in a box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's like, hold on, hold on, Satan's coming, and he's like, no, no, these are happy chirps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I got to bring that back. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> no, no. It's just if I name my episodes anything but the movie Happy Chirps would totally be the message that we want to go forward. Yeah, like that's the thing. I, I, so I, I would be okay with it symbolically too. Yeah. But I just don't think that him being mute or Amish had anything to do with the story. It's just like kind of falsely giving him character traits. Yeah. Because think about this. Take away. No, and so literally just yeah. try to. Take away mute. Make and him I'm, seem more interesting. Take a mute and I'm, take that out. Mute Amish. Take it out. What's his personality? He he uh, cares about his girl. He's, and he's quiet. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't speak, and he didn't use a lot of technology. He doesn't, have, any, he doesn't have anything. Yes. Uh, you know, he he was a 
fiercely protective of Nadira. Yes. Because when uh, like when, when any the protagonist right. is over sure. over right. a relationship, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, willing to lose his job over it, and he had a secret right. talent for woodworking, just like in Magic Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See now it's starting to make sense. Yes. Oh, I should have yeah. tied into a movie I've seen. Yes. No, I'm just did you uh, did you talk about Paddleton? Yeah, we did that a few weeks. What'd back. What do you think about Paddleton? I enjoyed it. I, I think that's a Ray Romano. That's Ray Romano's movie. See, he I, is so good yeah. that he carries everything. He he's basically the the audience's voice of reason. See, here's what's funny about that. Like, I think that that's another movie where I'm like, it's not destination viewing. It's uh, if you if you want to watch it, watch it. It feels to me a little bit like this movie where it's the same kind of thing where the filmmaker gets to just do exactly what they want with no sort of interference. Like, you got to think that in Paddleton, what if there was some kind of question? Because right. there's really just not one, you know, poised, I guess, at all um, in that movie. And uh, Well, again, it's a lot of choices yeah. and how relationships evolve. I agree. I, I agree. Think maybe you need to be more in touch with your feelings, Chuck. No, I think I, that's I, what's going I, I, on here. No, I feel like he, he honestly is. Yeah. <laughs> I feel too in touch with my feelings. Yeah. So I, you know, when I watched Paddleton, which did you see it, Brad? No, I. Have it's not. very sad. If you if you watched, you the, told me it was very sad. Did and you I didn't want to watch it? Did you watch the trailer? No. Okay. It's not very sad until certain moments that are much deeper into the movie. But anyway, I, you know go what? ahead. Even even knowing Chuck, the Chuck told me it was a stone cold stunner of sadness. <laughs> even, it does pull the rug out on you at one point, but yeah. Even knowing the plot, I think watching the opening is a little bit heartbreaking you know what i mean but um i'm i am easily emotionally manipulated there's a new commercial for disney world yeah. where a real duck like a real duck like finds a donald duck comic book it's just a real duck it's you know it's i mean it's cg but it's, it's right. just a real duck it finds a donald duck comic book and it sees the donald duck comic book and it loves it and it's like trying to act like donald duck but it's just a real duck like a little duckling a tiny little duck sure and basically in this like 30 seconds <laughs> acting like Donald Duck tries to bring the comic book through the rain right and it gets ruined and it drowns and the duck is like I, I could tear up thinking about it right now it's like <laughs> forlorn but then the duck goes to Disney World and sees Donald Duck right the character and it's fucking enthralled and uh, that touched my heart in a yeah. way that I'm tearing up a little bit right now thinking about it you gotta watch you it you wanna talk about uh, fuck Nicholas Sparks <laughs> Disney's the OG of well, like a, pulling a, out your heart strings it's a commercial for like Paris Disneyland but anyway yeah. I'm very easily manipulated and I felt like the whole time I was like I was so sad the whole movie of Paddleton but to me there was just like I was like there's no story to this and it just seems like a movie that's not done yet which is how I felt about music yes. that's why I brought it up okay that's, and like even even I mean even Bird Box to be completely honest kind of felt like a movie where they're like yeah these strings and you're like oh yeah you're supposed you're supposed to tie those strings before you finish the movie and they're like there's strings there yeah, yeah. and it didn't really get completely finished and I right. think that maybe maybe Netflix is doing that and they're letting that happen and people are kind of finding alternative art interesting art that yeah. it kind of pulls them in a different direction and makes it you know maybe some of it's unsatisfying but maybe not everyone needs the the tied up endings that we're looking for that we think of as like good screenwriting good yeah, directing, sometimes good things stuff like can that. just be think pieces yeah, you know right. character studies uh obviously that's what I think about paddleton basically yeah you know? no and that's true and that's a very duplass uh trait yeah. of things like it doesn't ultimately have to be this payoff it just yeah. has to kind of like be a discussion sure on on things and that, obviously that one that, goes into a lot of dark ones yeah but, yeah, yeah yeah that's kind of how I, I think of it as way more of a character piece that movie paddleton yeah definitely and another very emotional uh dark 
you know, with a very sad death is the movie The Avengers. And you yes. guys <laughs> are going to be doing <laughs> a, a retelling of that uh, here in Hartford, Connecticut at CT Comedy Theater. Uh, and I will be a part of it, and I'm very glad to be a part of it. And it seems like show. a great idea. Yeah. Uh, and you guys have a background in doing this with Jurassic Park, and you did another one as well, we did, right? We did uh, Back to the Future as well. Yeah. And we did How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. So, so, so lay it out for the people. Why should they come to this show besides <laughs> the fact that I'm amazing? Everyone knows that. The rest of it is up to you guys. So lay it out for the people. Why should they go on Thursday? Well, it's uh, it's a unique comedic experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not traditional. Chuck and I don't do traditional stand-up, so it's something that you know you're not going to see every week at every comedy club, right? And because uh, I, I, your background's in improv, yes. And Chuck, you're largely. I mostly do like film and like comedy writing. I mean, um, we've been doing the podcast for ten years, and the podcast is largely about like really in-depth art discussion about popular art. So that could be movies, music, books, comic books, video games, sure, what have you. And, um, you know, I've been doing... Film. So the next one of these is about Purple Rain. Yeah. You're just going to, like, bring <laughs> all, all the things together. But, yeah, yeah and, I, you know, I'm a filmmaker by trade. That's my main job. And I'm a musician. And uh, I love writing for film. And I love studying film. And I love popular film. So we love The Avengers. I mean, if you go back historically through our past 10 years of podcasting, every time one of the movies came out, we had a big podcast about it. We talked about it a lot. Right. And um, a while ago... I'll, we, say, I'll say we had an emergency podcast <laughs> when they announced Spider-Man would be joining the MCU. Oh, hey. <laughs> we yeah. did. We did a mini cast but uh that's great but uh it's a big know, deal yeah it is yeah. i mean the fox merger i'm surprised you guys in uh, uh we, we talked about it yeah okay yeah, yeah. oh i'm sure you we, did. we've been discussing it but yeah. um so you know what we decided at some point when we were doing our our live comedy shows in rhode island we you know we we, we uh perform at the comedy connection in rhode island and we do these live podcasts and instead of just doing kind of an improvisational conversation, which is what a lot of podcasts are, that's what we do in our broadcast right. weekly, we said, well, if people are paying to come see this on stage, let's add in visual elements, let's add, add in different things. Sure. And pyro. Pyro. Pyro, yeah. <laughs> and at some point, we kind of decided, you know, we had done this bit, I know it sounds bizarre, privately in our friend group. Yeah. Where uh, Brad is, uh, you know, he's this reprehensible artist. It's I, just I disgusting. Just, yeah. I just can't draw. He well. can't right. draw. <laughs> And um, I said, you know, one of my girl, my girlfriend Gina, one of her favorite movies is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Why don't you redraw the whole movie, right. all the scenes, and I'll take your drawings and I'll make a new narration based on what they look like. Right. To me. Sure. Yeah. And so we did it at Christmas for her, and uh, she really liked it, and all of our friends were there, and they really liked it. And we were booking our Christmas live comedy show right. at the Comedy Connection a couple years ago. And I was like, oh, we should do that that Grinch thing live on stage. And Brad's like, that will never work live in front of an audience. <laughs> and it really brought the house down. People yeah. loved it. That's great. And um, you know, we said, well, let's try to do it with uh, the Avengers when the, when uh, Infinity War came out last summer right. in Rhode Island. And we did it, and it went really well. We did Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. And now the End Game is coming out, Avengers End Game next weekend. We said, let's see if any clubs in different states will book this show. <laughs> and, right. and what happened was. We booked three dates. We booked uh, Thursday, April 25th at the CT Comedy Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. We booked uh, the Pit Loft in New York City on April 27th to Saturday. And we booked uh, Laugh Boston in Boston on Sunday, April 28th. Great club. Yeah. And so... Three great clubs. Yeah. 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 We're, and we're doing uh, we're doing our Chuck and Brad reimagined the Avengers live on stage with this drawing bit um, all three nights. And we're getting uh, comedians from the area in every different market. Connecticut, uh, you know, Thursday, April 25th at the CT Comedy Theater is uh, BJ Quagan 
Andrew Morgan and um, Sash Makita, who yep. I that's the only one of you guys I haven't met yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? He seems like a good guy though. Well, it's like the Avengers. We all assemble at one point <laughs> right. and just one exactly. stick longer than the others. Exactly. Yeah. And, and in New York. He's cast away like the Hulk. He's you know, he's gotta make his <laughs> yeah. way back. We'll, we'll see him. Yeah. I'm I'm Maria Hill. So. <laughs> in uh, on Saturday on Saturday in uh, New York City at the pit loft, it's uh, Jiggy, Casey Jost, and Lisa Kleinman. And then on Sunday, uh, April 28th in Laugh Boston, it's uh, John Tilson, Logan O'Brien, Dan Hall, and Tyler Swain. Yeah, so it's going to be a really fun time. And it's cool because it's one of those things where the Avengers hype is like taking over right now. And right. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's part of it. And it's cool to go support the movie because I, I, I believe that everyone's doing a great job with that stuff. I love those movies. Right. But it's really fun to be able to bring like you know the smaller artists and comedians out and have them take part in the hype and have them yeah, put yeah. their own spin on it and be part of that world sure and that's what we're going to be bringing to the stage on thursday night in connecticut and in new york and boston of course as well nice yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time yeah and yeah. We, we've done the podcast for years chuck and brad podcast uh at chuck and brad um you know lots of lots of fun movie talk very spirited stuff all, all great guests usually yeah a lot yeah. of guests we've had uh jeff tremaine the director of the jackass movies um, Casey Jost and Mike Fenoya are both writers from Practical Jokers. They've been on. And Mike Fenoya is a buddy of mine. Uh, yeah. He was a Connecticut staple and he yeah. moved to the city a few years back. Yep. Great guy. Yeah. We've had Real Big Fish, Bowling for Soup, Less Than Jake have been on, Big D and the Kids Table. Tons of people from the music and uh, comedy and film world. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time and it's really an experiment. So if you like kind of like alternative art or art based on pop culture or nerd culture, Please come out and support the show. Yeah, find the event on Facebook and add people and help us spread the word because we're trying to get uh you know asses in seats, Brad. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Mick Foley, you know what I'm referencing, right? Yes, wrestling. Yeah, yeah it's, true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Shocking. That that's how we uh, end up wrapping this one up. But do, do, you, uh, do you know what that reference is? I don't. So a long time ago, oh, when, when Mick Foley was, uh, you know, he's mankind yes. on WF Raw on yeah. uh, Monday Night Raw and WF, WCW was up against them, right? And WCW had gotten so shitty that they were basically telling spoilers for Raw on air oh, as Jesus. they aired live. And yeah. one of them, what they said, one of the guys, one of the announcers said, when Mankind won the belt for the first time, the championship, he right. said. By the way, we just got word on uh, Monday Night Raw. Don't bother changing the channel. Mankind just won the you know the WF title. Yeah, Mick Foley as your champion. That's gonna put asses in seats. He said that, and then people started bringing science to WF events. Mick Foley put my ass in this. Seat. And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" That's I love great. That. It's so good. Oh, uh, it's this. awesome. But yeah, so if you want to support this, it's gonna be really cool, and it's gonna be you know some uh, some podcast comedians doing a. Uh, doing some funny stuff that I, I'm very proud of the show. I have, I have, I'm, I hope that people come out, but man, I know the quality of the show yeah. is, is high and it's really, really funny. I'm very proud of it. I think we're doing something that I'm, I'm happy that we've uh, put so much time into. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. And this is the first time you're taking it on the road. This Any version great. of this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, we've honestly, we've done a bunch of headlining shows at the comedy connection in Rhode Island. They've gone really well. And uh, now we'd like to kind of branch out into other markets and kind of start relationships with different cities, Hartford, Boston, New York. And, yeah. and then maybe we'll expand as well and continue to do these retellings. I mean, we are doing a Spider-Man retelling later in the summer in Rhode Island. And who nice. knows if that could balloon to somewhere else, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for doing this. Obviously, I'll be I'll be there at this show. Ex everybody, please go get your tickets. An easy place to go get tickets would be chuckandbradpodcast.com has all ticket links, all Facebook events right on the right in the home screen. 
Excellent. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for oh, watching the movie, for playing us. along, doing the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us, man. It was great. Yeah, was and awesome. we'll see you next week, and hopefully you guys too. Yeah.